1: going down.
0: Everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down here on ITRWrestling.com or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Kenny McIntosh, joined as always, of course, by who else but Finley Martin Fenn. How are you today, this glorious Tuesday? Kenny, I'm doing all right. Yeah, I'm
1: doing all right. Actually, you know, I could potentially have COVID. So we had all these things planned this week. We right. had to cancel them because I ended up giving someone a lift on Saturday night. You do someone a good turn. Turns out she was like sneezing in the car. It was a, uh, my partner's friend. She was sneezing in the car. She sounded really rough. She's like, oh, I've done a test before I came around tonight. I was giving her, a, her and my other half a lift home. Oh, I'm all right. Yeah, I've done a test. I'm thinking, well, are you really? And then we found out the next afternoon she tested positive for COVID. So we had all these things planned this week, Kenny, which we had to cancel until we find out for sure whether or not we've got it.
0: Oh, no. Now, when did you have it the first time?
1: Well, I reckon I, caught, I reckon I caught it on the Saturday night, but I didn't feel ill until the Tuesday evening. So this was the Saturday night. This past Saturday was when, we, when I gave this person the lift. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of bracing myself for starting to feel really ill. Any minute now, it could it could impair
0: my performance on the podcast today. Well, to I mean the that. the good the good thing is because I mean if you get COVID because you got it like three months ago right or two months it ago. was
1: only two months ago so I may right. have the immunity but I think you
0: I think you'll be fine most the, most people say you have about ninety days immunity so I think that you'll be okay but you're doing the the right thing especially if you other half's not had it to uh, you know just be play safe.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, there was all these things planned. So instead we ended up tidying out the cellar.
0: (laughs) At least you were productive. A lot of people wouldn't be productive in that scenario. So good for you.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's been slightly annoying, Kenny. So uh, uh, I'm feeling all right. And up to date on my wrestling and, you know, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling well now. I'm feeling great now, actually. So hopefully that will continue. How are you doing, by the way, Kenny?
0: I'm good. Yeah, I can't complain. I'm, uh, you know, plodding along. Uh, loads of things on as always, but uh, I can't really complain too much. So the sun is out today, which is you know rare for Glasgow. So, um, <laughs> but um, you know, there's lots lots going on in wrestling. So we should mention before we talk about SmackDown that on SmackDown they did uh, they had Michael Cole read out a speech um, about Sasha Banks and Naomi saying that they've been indefinitely suspended. Um, they've let everyone down. Um, and their, I think their, face, their official WWE Facebook pages have been pulled, their merch has been pulled. Um, it was quite funny to watch Pat McAfee's face as he was kind of listening to what Cole was saying. Uh, what do you make of this? Do you think that WWE are doing the right thing by sort of, you know, essentially launching a bit of a defensive attack on Sasha and Naomi? Because um, there, there are similarities to kind of, how they treated Steve Austin when he walked out in two thousand and two, um, in terms of you know the narrative of you know this person's, I mean we've not heard the ball being taken home yet, which is good.
1: No, no, we haven't had that line yet, but I mean you know it was going to keep something in reserve.
0: Yeah, but what do you think? Do you think do you think that they do you think they should have gone as as hard as they did? Do you think they should have gone harder, softer? What do you make of how they're uh, handling it?
1: Um, well, Cole piped up. He said, you know, I want to talk about what happened this past Monday night when Sasha Banks and Naomi let us all down. The WWE Women's Tag Team Champions walked off the show and walked out of the building during Monday Night Raw. So we they showed the graphic from the six-pack challenge that they were supposed to participate in on last week's Raw. Um, and then Cole said that um, Sasha and Naomi had... Handed their women's tag team title belts to the head of talent relations, then left. Uh, He added their actions disappointed millions of WWE fans and their fellow superstars. And then he added that they have been suspended indefinitely and there will be a future tournament to determine new women's tag team champions. And we understand there will be NXT wrestlers in this tournament. Of course, there will be because they've hardly got any teams so I mean this could end up being a really good thing actually for some of the NXT women um so some people um often do benefit from situations in which people walk out or are fired or are injured doesn't always happen but sometimes it does um I mean I don't really I don't know whether I have strong feelings about this or I don't um I can see why some people would be upset because a lot of people are just looking for a reason to criticize WWE. And it seems Kenny that that's what Twitter was invented for, for people to express their grievances about someone or something. Um, so there's you know been a lot of tw- Twitter activity about this, of course. Um, I mean, looking at it from WWE's point of view, I do understand why they've done it. I mean, in a sense, it's like, I, from what I understand, a lot of their peers were uh, didn't have a whole lot of sympathy for Sasha because this is not the first time she's done something like this. Um, they didn't walk out in the middle of the show. I mean, how was WWE supposed to respond to that? Um, we talked about this last week before we went on the air. And we talked about it when we were on the air last week. Um, I mean, to me, Sasha and Naomi should have done what was asked and then left afterwards if they no longer wanted to be there. Um, to me, that would have been the professional way to handle it, to raise an objection and say, I'm not happy with this, but you know, I'm doing this under protest, but I, I understand that this is what is being asked of me, and I'm a professional, so I'm going to put the, the company before myself. Um, so I think that would have been the right um, decision or the right course of action for Sasha and Naomi last week. I think I said that. On last week's podcast, when we discussed this. So, I mean, you know, the fact that these two just walked out, two veterans walked out in the middle of the show, I don't see how you can let that pass. Otherwise, you run the risk of losing control of the locker room. Um, I think there's a message needed to be sent to wrestlers and talent in general that if you just walk out in the middle of the show, there will be consequences. So I absolutely understand why WWE has made this decision to suspend them indefinitely. Um, I think, you know, anyone, it's difficult, isn't it, Kenny? If you are the boss, sometimes you've got to make difficult decisions. You've got to make decisions that are going to be unpopular mm-hmm. because you've got to put the team and you've got to put the company before the individual. And if you have people that are not there and working in the best interests of the company, then they become a liability. They become problematic. You know, the flip side to that is Sasha and Naomi were not happy. They didn't want to go along with what was planned for them. You know, they've reached the end of their tether. They didn't want to be there anymore. And, you know, it must've been bad. Well, I guess Sasha's done this before, but for Naomi, she's never done anything like this before. Maybe she thought she was, um, you know, backing up her partner. Maybe she felt like it was the right decision for her because they were a team and that if Sasha was going, then she should support her partner and go also. I'm not really sure what, you know, her frame of mind was, but I mean, it's a tricky one. I mean, you know, looking at it from Sasha and Naomi's point of view, they must've been upset. They must've been, you know, they must've just been, I'm sure they thought long and hard about it before they walked out, but I mean, they haven't come back since. It wasn't like they rang up and apologized and, you know, reported for duty the next day or came crawling back, they seem like they're pretty solid in their position, don't they? And now, of course, they've been suspended indefinitely. So, you know, there'll be a negotiation before they can come back and no doubt there'll be consequences and there'll be some sort of punishment as well, because that's the way it works there. So I can see it from both sides, Kenny. Um, You know, I suppose the only thing I've really got to add to what I've already said, what I said this week and last week is that, and maybe this is actually just echoing what I said last week, is that if Sasha and Naomi simply couldn't stand it anymore, then they made made the right decision for them to leave. So, But, I mean, in doing so, in the manner that they handled it, there was bound to be consequences, and really there had to be consequences because you've got to restore discipline. You've got to set ground rules. You've got to have rules and boundaries in the locker room. otherwise you know, people will be bending and breaking those rules all the time. So, yeah, I can see both sides from the, uh, I, can see the I can see why this happened. And I think I understand why the talent left, off, or maybe I understand why. I could be dead wrong, but it's got to be something along those lines as to why they took the decision to walk out in the middle of the show. And I certainly understand why WWE has made this decision because I've, as I've said, you know, you, you've got to have rules and boundaries in in business
0: and, and in life in general. What do you make of it, Kenny? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I agree to a certain point. There's certain things, I, kind of, I mean, it's, that I would I disagree with a bit. I mean, I think that you remember the guy that I'd read out his tweets that he knew Naomi or whatever, and he I think he's been corroborated by a few people that he is a legitimate friend of Naomi and knows her and all that kind of stuff. Apparently, they they walked out before the show, not during okay. the show. Um, but the, I think that the the thing that seems to be the stickler is that John Laurinaitis knew before, but he didn't tell Vince until the show was starting because I, think he, I don't know whether he thought he was going to get them back or whatever. But apparently they did walk out before the show. I think they did need to suspend them based on what they did. And I do understand... I understand why they walked out because, you know, this is... And I think with Sasha, I think the difficulty is... This is the second time where, in her mind, I'm not saying she's right or wrong. I'm just trying to explain where I think she's probably coming from. Is that she's been convinced? Look, can you do this tag team title thing? And if you do it, we're going to really get behind you, and you guys are going to be like the the people behind the division. It's going to be a big push for you. And both times, within a month, they've just went, "Ah, eh, we're not interested anymore." The first time was obviously the Iconics win at WrestleMania 35. This time it's this. So I do understand her frustration of them. Continuously, sort of saying, "Oh, we're going to do this," but then just changing their mind straight away. So that maybe is her frustration. Now she's in WWE, so she should probably know that things are going to change all the time, um, and that's kind of part of the gig. Yeah, but I think, I think suspending them is fine. I think they had to do that. I think they had to say something. What I think they're making a mistake doing is the whole "you're letting everybody down" and all this, because then what you're doing is you're actually minimizing their star power when they return. And if you do want them to return, if you want them to be, you know, if you want Sasha Banks to be a big name in your division, I just don't know if kind of publicly shaming her a bit is the right way to go. So I think suspending her, absolutely, because she walked out and you should suspend her and people should know that you have. But I just don't think that the, I just don't think the idea of them kind of really putting across, that you know, they've been so unprofessional and, you know, they've walked out and they're letting all the fans down and they're, you know, I just think it's, foster in this kind of thing where where a large portion of the fans in WWE who are very pro WWE will kind of listen to what they say are going to go, oh, fuck Sasha then, if that's what she's like. And then if in three months she comes back, then you've got to do 10 times the work to maybe get her half as over as she was. So I think that's the only thing I kind of think is a bit counterproductive in how they're handling it. But I think the rest of it, I I understand.
1: I mean, the only thing I can think is that WWE felt you know, very threatened and pressured and felt like, you know, the weight of public mood was against them. And they were trying to push back on that and they were trying to defend themselves and explain their side of the story as to why they did this. As far as having to get Sasha over again, I think people have short memories. And I think if they return, they'll turn it into a storyline. I think it actually could be really good for both of them, especially if they were to come back as heels. Although, will they want to come back now? I mean, it may take a while for this thing to blow over. Uh, There's
0: there's also the other other element of it, where you know WWE. We've known this for years. They've basically fostered a system where nobody can get to a point where they're a Steve Austin or a Rock. Who are nobody's going to get bigger than the company is what they've kind of they want. So by Sasha and Naomi doing this, it's like. They will see it, and I'm again. I'm trying to just be objective about it and not take a side. But I think WWE are going to see it as they're too big for their bridges if they are going to walk out. Um, Yeah,
1: and that's right. I mean, I mean, there is some similarities here between Sasha Banks and Shawn Michaels in 1997. I mean, he didn't like losing or taking a backseat to his peers. You know, he didn't. He didn't like doing things where he wasn't the centre of attention. Um, and I don't remember anyone having any any sympathy for his plight when he walked out. I mean, <laughs> people saw him as self-serving. People, you know, to this day, he's still mocked for that. Um, so, I mean... I he also got, I
0: mean, he, he got away with... Like, it's funny because I, uh, I was doing a... All he's doing a uni project, and one of the th- and one of the things he's doing it for was uh, he wanted to do a, a, a Sean Michaels Bret Hart debate, like a kind of you know on video thing. So my job, of course, was to be the Bret Hart debater, and he was the Sean Michaels debater. And obviously, it's quite easy to <laughs> argue against Sean Michaels in 1997. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the major difference is that Vince was very behind Sean, no matter what. Whereas with Sasha, it doesn't really seem that Vince is that behind her. Um, they, they just seem to... They're, they're, I feel like there's something we don't know. Do you know that way you, you look at a situation you go, there's a, there's a piece of the puzzle that we don't know. Because it just doesn't all add up at the moment.
1: No, no, it doesn't. But there again, we never did get the explanation for why she disappeared last summer.
0: No, no.
1: And she was quizzed about this in more than one interview and point blank refused to disclose any information about it at all. And you've got to say... You've got to give WWE credit. They haven't been briefing against her. I don't think the real stories ever come out. And obviously WWE knows.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, think- I did see I did see I did see someone say something. And I think this is a fair point, you know, because part of the thing is, you know, they walked out and let the fans down. And somebody had said, well, you know, it was WWE who advertised Sasha in a pay-per-view main event at SummerSlam and didn't pull her when they knew she wasn't going to be on it. So it does take two to tango in that regard. You know, which and obviously luckily they had a bigger surprise, so they were able to get away with it because they had Becky. But I think there's just a lot of stuff going on with Sasha and WWE that, that we probably don't know about and that adds to it. because, like you said last week, it doesn't really make much sense that Sasha would walk out over just this mm. incident. It feels yeah. like there's there's been something brewing from the 2019 situation, from the last summer situation, and from this one. And if we're on sort of walkout number three. It just feels like it's not a good fit. You know, it's like when Steve Austin walked out twice, you know, even though he came back and did the third thing, like, he was kind of done, really. So it just doesn't seem like Sasha... I mean, I'm sure she will come back if she has to, to sort of see it, the rest of her contract, but I don't see this... I don't see them being harmonious for years to come together.
1: No, you, you're probably right. And it, and it may well be time for her to go elsewhere and mm-hmm. sometimes going somewhere else makes you realize that you know you should have left earlier or that where you were working previously actually wasn't that bad and you've got to you've got to work out what's right for you and what works for you and how many days a week per, how many days per week you want to be on the road what position you want to be in whether the system is something that you know is it complements your, your style and your your um your whole approach to your work. I mean it's like maybe it's her time in WWE is up. Um I mean you're right there's I think there are more I think I mean if Sasha's she's suspended indefinitely right now and it's is she gonna do an interview about this?
0: I mean well, like you said like you say because what she had done after she came back from SummerSlam is she You know, because the 2019 walkout, she did talk to Ryan Satin about it at some point. I can't remember what she did. But when she came back... She
1: talked to Austin about it as well, didn't she?
0: Yes, yeah, she talked to Austin about it. But I think the difference being when she came back after SummerSlam, I can't remember when she came back, but it was like later in the year. But when she came back, she, she basically just made every media interview she did be in character enough that she never had to go out of character.
1: That's it. I mean, she was saying, well, you'll have to wait until I release my autobiography and I'll be, I'll <laughs> reveal the reason then. And it was like, well, this is what people want to know. You know, why did you leave? Why were you at SummerSlam? You were advertised for this match
0: mm-hmm. and we
1: hadn't seen you since. Well, we hadn't...
0: When was last time we saw her? Um Because after WrestleMania, she was away for a couple of months and then she came back, I think, in the June or the July to build the big SummerSlam rematch.
1: Exactly. So, I mean, this was a huge match. It was Sasha versus Bianca. I mean, and this obviously had a profound effect on Bianca Belair's career as well. And Mm -hmm. she's now in a, you know, it all worked out for the best in the end for Bianca. But there was a lot of very trying months for Belair due to Sasha's walkout. Wasn't it? So, yeah. I mean, you know, when these things happen, as I just said, you know, when someone walks out or is injured or quits or whatever or is fired, it has consequences on other, uh, there are consequences for other people unintended consequences. And yeah, for Bianca, she was, you know, if you think about it, she's somebody who was really punished for Sasha's failure to participate in SummerSlam last year.
0: Mm-hmm. Did
1: she walk out? Did she quit? And there was seemed to be a lot of support. There was obviously lots of support for Bianca after Summerslam. Lots of people. What was that phrase that people use? Oh, she's been COVID. She's ruined beyond repair. Mm-hmm. She's been buried underground. And it was actually the start of a story that culminated in WrestleMania, as we saw. Um, but I mean, Bianca, you know, was a was a trooper. She was solid. She was there. She was somebody that WWE could rely on, and she took the losses. You know, she saw the story through, and in the end, she was rewarded for it. And um, you know, is this a case that Sasha Sasha's ego is bruised, bruised, and she feels like she should be competing for the title and should be champion again, and the division should revolve around her. I mean, it would not surprise me if that was at least a factor in her decision to walk out. She just felt like she was you know, she wasn't being used to the best of her abilities and that she deserved more. And she was, you know, someone, a star of her caliber was basically, you know, being underused, underutilized. And, um, and yeah, I think that is part of the reason why she left. I'm convinced of it because she genuinely does believe that she's one of the biggest stars in the company. And she is a big star. There's no doubt about that. So yeah, but if you actually contrast this with Bianca's situation last year, after she did that 26 second, she lost to Becky in 26 seconds at SummerSlam Mm -hmm. and she looked so glum afterwards and people were so, you know, up in arms about the way in which she was treated at SummerSlam last year. And she then had to do, you know, didn't regain the belt until last month. You know, contrast the two situations. And I think a lot of people would have been on Bianca's side if she quit, if she walked out, but she didn't. Yeah. Uh, would Sasha have tolerated what Bianca went through? I mean, that's an interesting point to ponder.
0: Yeah. It, I mean, is it a case of, has Sasha had in her mind so many things that have been promised that have never happened, that this is just the sort of icing on the cake and she thought she had to leave? Or is she just not cut out for working in WWE? And I don't mean that as a... You know WWE, Stan, or anything, but I just mean you know you got you got to know where you're working and what you what you what you're doing with. Yeah, you know, there's always going to be there's going to be times with the with the honor like the Bianca thing. There's going to be times where they don't honor stuff. You know, and you just kind of have to be there and ready for whatever they throw at you. So, um, well,
1: and also with Bianca right now, it's clear that you know Asuka returned first appearance. Well, she she returned, didn't she, just a few weeks ago um hadn't been spotted since money in the bank last year so sasha and naomi were tag champs so i mean that was you know it was a push role it wasn't a top role but it was a push role they were tag champs okay it was a very small division (laughs) of course it was we talk about this every week but they were tag team champions you know they hadn't they weren't carmella and queen zelina you know who Mm -hmm. are basically doing nothing right now since they dropped the belts um and you've got to figure that Sasha at some point would have been put in the title picture again later this year I'm sure she would have been because it's a long time since she's been pushed as a title contender so i mean to me i understand why wwe you know is upset about this and feels like she has been unprofessional and i think she has been you know if she feels, as i said if she feels it's she just couldn't stand it anymore then she's done the right thing for leaving i know when she went twenty nineteen after lost the tag team belts to the Iconics. I think she re- revealed then that she'd she'd been feeling pretty low, hadn't she? And she just needed some time for herself. Yeah, yeah. So, and if she's in a similar position now, then she's made the right decision for her. Um, but you know, I understand why WWE did what it what it did. I absolutely do understand why they suspended her. Um, was it the right decision to you know throw her under the bus on SmackDown? Well, I mean, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, yeah,
0: we'll I keep, think an, we'll heard... keep an eye on the situation as it develops or doesn't. Yeah.
1: We, I think we've heard, heard worse burials from, w- yeah. <laughs> from WWE and WWF. I mean... And was this as bad as Bill and Ted's wrestling war room? I don't think so.
0: No, it was not. Listen, let's move on. Um, There's not a lot to talk about from SmackDown, to be honest, because it wasn't a huge show. But obviously, there was one big thing on it. We had the opening promo with uh, Roman Reigns, the Usos, um, and the fact that Sami Zayn is still, you know, fight in their corner uh, but that led to the, the main event which was the title unification match which we were hoping for at Backlash so they have decided to do the unification match uh, of the Usos against RK Bro and the Usos were able to win the match and unify the tag team titles um, and Orton was taken out so that's going to play into the story uh, going forward and um, I thought this was a big main event, felt like a big match um, and yeah, I'm intrigued to see. I know there's been rumours of Riddle being Roman's next opponent at Money in the Bank and then Orton being the SummerSlam one. So I like the idea of this story moving forward and all the ways they're going to go with it. But uh, what did you make of the main event?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I was expecting them to uh, go to a non-finish here and that would then lead to a rematch at Hell in a Cell where Jimmy and Jay would uh, capture the belt. So I was... I was pleasantly surprised that they did the title change on television. Um, I mean, it was yeah, it was a really good match. I mean, also had it been um, on a premium live event, they would have probably had more minutes, and I think it would have been even better. But I mean, I thought this was perfectly you know more than adequate for a TV match. As I say, yeah, surprised that we that we got the finish. Um, Roman Reigns interfered just before uh, the conclusion to the match. Uh, and he um, he saved Jay from Riddle, and then Jay uh, did the uh, Uzo splash on Riddle for the uh, for the one two three and both championships. And then after the match, Reigns and Jimmy and Jay beat down Orton and Riddle. Jay actually leapt from top rope onto Riddle, who was lying on the announce desk, and smashed him through it. Um, so yeah, Jimmy and Jay are now undisputed tag team champions. They were warned at the beginning of the show in uh, an interview segment with Heyman and Roman Reigns as well, that if they did not bring both sets of championships back to the bloodline, then it was over. The bloodline was finished. They were not going to be welcome on the island of relevancy. You know, it was over. So um, I guess you could say in a sense that did telegraph the outcome. Although you could also say that, you know, if it was a non-finish, if Reigns had interfered for the DQ, then that probably, you know, wouldn't have really mattered. That would have then just led to the uh, to the rematch at Hell in a Cell. So, yeah, surprising outcome. Um, and as you said, on on um, on this, that this will now lead to I think Riddle versus Roman Reigns first because Riddle was on Raw. He caught a promo on Roman Reigns. I called him a piece of trash. It was definitely felt like it was setting up a uh, title match at one of the big shows. Probably not hell and sell. I would think probably money in the bank. Orton um, wasn't there. He was selling the injuries. Riddle also said that Orton had been nursing a really bad back injury. Um, so, I mean, that's probably just, you know, Orton can have a few weeks off, I guess, and then he can come back and maybe he can work towards the, uh, the title match with Reigns. At SummerSlam, maybe, I think. I think we talked about this before, haven't we, that it did seem like this was all leading to Reigns versus Orton and, and possibly Reigns versus Riddle as well.
0: Yeah, and, you know, as always, fan they listen to the podcast. You know, <laughs> we can see it, what they do. Um, yeah, I
1: mean, I like the idea of this. I mean, to me, Riddle really pushes Roman Reigns to the limit and money in the bank. He, he absolutely should not win. He's not ready to know. dethrone Roman Reigns. And Randy Orton, I think, can also have a hell of a series with Roman Reigns. But I don't think he should be the one to end Reigns' double-tout reign either. But I think these matches, these big shows, can enhance our enjoyment of WWE and I think can certainly do a lot to enrich Riddle's reputation and to really plant that seed in our minds that, yes, Riddle can be WWE or Universal Champion in 2023. It's not the time for him to win it just yet. Yeah. But with a you know, hell of a show in there, we can then believe that in future he'll be ready to become champ. Uh,
0: well, there's not really much else I want to talk about in SmackDown. I do want to quickly say, I know uh, Gun- Gunter uh, beat Drew Gulak and then afterwards Ricochet came out to make the save. I really hope that uh, Gunter is going to become the new Intercontinental Champion. That is what I want. Let's get him beaten Ricochet. Let's put the belt on him. It would be a much better way to go. Um, so, I hope that that's. Kenny,
1: Kenny, has someone written that? someone written those words in a certain publication?
0: Look, I can't confirm nor deny where that idea was implanted in my mind, but I'm just saying that's what I'd like to see.
1: <laughs> Talking <laughs> about planting seeds in minds. Here we are, Kenny, once again ripping off my QA and answers on this podcast. Oh, God. I see can't you. believe you're a thief, Kenny Macintosh. <laughs>
0: I'm going to move on. Uh, Max Dupree, Finn. Max Dupree, before we move on from SmackDown, Max Dupree says that Sonia, it's obviously LA Knight, uh, says that Sonia Deville signed him to a contract. Adam Pierce says he doesn't recognise it. He wants to bring his modelling agency, Maximum Male Models, to SmackDown. Do you see uh, some potential in LA, the former LA Knight, Max Dupree, uh, bring his modelling agency to SmackDown?
1: Well, he's looking for people who can headline Paris Fashion Week and also headline Wrestlemania. That's what Max Dupree
0: is did de- seeking. Searching did he decide for. that curing cancer was too easy? Like, how <laughs> Fashion Week at Wrestlemania? <laughs> Jesus That Christ. was the
1: line. <laughs> I mean, we know this has been tried out in front of an audience uh, in the weeks after Wrestlemania. Um, I mean... I don't know whether it's going to work. I mean, I'm, I've always been a fan of LA Knight. I, I think he's a tremendous talent. He can do he can do everything. He's so good. So I really hope that he gets a chance to show the main roster and Vince McMahon what he can do. Um, and if this is just the start of a portion, it can lead to more, then then great. If this is as far as he's going to go and he's not even going to appear in the ring then this is, a, this is one of the biggest disappointments of the year to me in, in the making. But I'm not going to, I don't know how this is going to play out. And, you know, we need to be patient when it comes to these things. Like we're talking about Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch before. Lots of people were writing Bianca off. And I was like, well, hold on a minute. Let's just see how this story plays out. So, um, you know, I'm with Max Dupree, I don't like the name. Because you know it's he it was Eli Drake, he does the thing with his finger, doesn't he? Yeah. L A night, you know, with the syllables. So I'm not sure if Max do du- I suppose Max Dupree
0: does work, but I still don't like the name. No, it's it's a name it's gonna take a little bit you get used to. Um anyway, let's move on to Raw. Raw. I thought it was a bit of a slog this week compared to usual weeks, but um, like you said, we did have the riddle promo where he was basically cutting his mission statement to the bloodline. Uh, then we ended up it all uh the bloodline ended up coming out, which led us to the uh, six-man tag of Riddle and the Street Prophets against the Usos and Sami Zayn. Um, I do think that putting Sami Zayn in as the kind of bloodline sympathiser is a pretty good way for them to, have, to do six-man tags and to do stuff when Roman's not there. So I think Sami's a pretty good guy to play this role. What do you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and he's, you know, he's the fall guy. So he's somebody who can do the job and it doesn't matter. We know Sami Zayn could lose every week between now and the end of the year. And he would be just as over, you know, on December 31st as he is, you know, on May the 24th. So, yeah, it's a great spot for him. I mean, they need to flesh this out, the whole Zayn. And they need to get Zayn in the room with Roman Reigns. And I think they can have to really good interactions with Zane going in there, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the bloodline, you know, I'm there, you know, I'm there. Uh, I may not be related to them, you know, but they love me. You know, they want me on the team. They know I'm an asset. And just having Zane in there, basically trembling in fear, you know, as he sits there explaining what he can bring to the bloodline, to Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman. <laughs> I think there's so much fun to be had there from those segments. There's so much mileage in those. And, you know, the real challenge will be for Roman Reigns not cracking up. I think that'll be the real challenge here. Uh, but, yeah, I, I enjoyed the match, Riddle and Street Profits versus uh, Jimmy and Jay and Sami Zayn. Um, Riddle ended up pinning Zayn after Jimmy and Jay walked out on, on Sami. Um Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, Riddle came in with uh, his ribs all bandaged up as well he should have done. I thought he might have had some time off after the beating that he received in the match and in the post-match on SmackDown, but at least he was out there selling the ribs, um, you know, and it was it um, it was it was a win over Zane rather than a win over all three of them because Jimmy and Jay bailed. So I don't think Jimmy and Jay were really harmed by this loss at all. Um, and it's all part of the story, as you said, I think to lead to Riddle versus Roma Reigns, possibly at Money of the Bank on July 2nd, I think the show is, isn't it?
0: Yes, July 2nd. So, um, yeah. Uh, Well, listen, let's move on to other stuff on Raw. Um, I thought Edge's promo was one of the dullest promos I've heard this year. I mean, it's just, it's death. There's just nothing. You know, he's been, he's he's teasing who this fourth person is going to be to join the group. And... I don't know. I'm not feeling it, Finn. Are you, are you is there something? Can you give me something about Edge's performance that maybe should win me over to these doldrum long monologues that he cuts?
1: Um, well, he took a shot. Jo- he took a shot with John Cena. So <laughs> well,
0: well, you're in then. <laughs> All is forgiven.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, I'm with you. He said that he, you know, he wasn't handpicked to sit at the top of the mountain like a John Cena. He had, he had to do it himself through the miracle of his own hard work. It was very aspirational, motivational speech. You know, <laughs> Edge was, uh, was, was, was giving us, you know, the, the, <laughs> the general public about how hard work pays off. You know, and that if we seek to be better, then we can have our boss's job in the corner. Hey, maybe one day I can have your job, Kenny. What do you think?
0: Listen, you can have it. I'll step back. I'm I'm I'd happily give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: I mean, he was saying who else is gonna join the judgment day? You know, would it be Champa? Actually, I think he called him Tommaso Champa. I think he's now just Champa, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I mean he probably was scolded backstage. Maybe Edge will walk out next for him told off. <laughs>
0: so,
1: would it could it be Champa? You know, could it be Liv Morgan or might it be AJ Styles? And, um, you know, Edge was there saying that AJ Styles needs some direction and maybe the Judgment Day can show him the way, like it had done and is doing for Damien Priest and Rhea Ripley. So, yeah, it's not its not sparking, is it? It's not, it's not setting off fireworks. It's not lighting up our lives, is it? You know, it's not causing our hearts to sing this faction.
0: <laughs>
1: Nor did this promo. I'm, and I still can't understand why it's not working, but it isn't. It should be working and it isn't. And I, and I apologize if I've said I have said that before. I apologize for repeating myself. But I mean, Edge is repeating himself and this faction's repeating its itself ev- nearly every week on raw. Um, I mean, the AJ Styles and Liv Morgan versus Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley match, I mean, it was okay, but I mean, it should be more than okay with the talent that's involved. It should be thrilling. It should be inspiring. It should be exhilarating. You know, it should be like, wow, I can't wait for next week to see the next riveting chapter (laughs) in the Judgment Day versus AJ Styles and Liv Morgan feud. And where was Finn Balor when... Edge and um, Ripley and Damien Priest were beating down Styles and Morgan after the match. Where was Finn?
0: Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of questions coming out of this, not very many answers. Um, no, no, very
1: few answers. So. But then the
0: problem is AJ Styles has been quite a dull babyface for a while, yeah. ever since he turned. And then you've got... So you're not really behind the babyface, and then Edge is just banging on all the time. You know, it's 2022. Like, we, sh- we should be learning from the Fiends promos that long monologues that don't mean anything don't work. You know, you-, you mentioned earlier that people have short attention spans now. They do. They don't want these long promos unless you are uh, captivating the audience. And I don't feel that the audience was captivated during these pro- this promo.
1: No, and, but the thing is, right, and I haven't said this, is I think the audience wants to like this. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, Edge and the Judgment Day, or moreover, more importantly, the people writing this stuff haven't found a way of actually captivating the audience yet. But I think they've got maybe, I think they've got a few more weeks before I'm going to write this thing off as a total failure. You know, I think they can still, it can still be saved, but they've just got to work out where they're going wrong on this one um, and just come up with some better material. You know, maybe revisit the rated our Superstar and just have a look at why did that work so well? And it was just, you know, it was like cruel, wasn't it? And Edge doesn't feel cruel. And I just think he needs to be more villainous. I just don't think he's bad enough, Kenny. I think
0: that's the problem. I mean, in some ways he is bad enough, but not in the way that you mean. So, um, <laughs> anyway.
1: <laughs> exactly. You know what, WWE? Just get in touch. You know, I'm available if you need some. I'm just kidding. Of course. Listen, they could do
0: they could do worse than listen to you, Finn. Um we also had Cody Rhodes and the Miz, which I mean, these two could not find their chemistry in this match.
1: No, no, it, it was, was. Like it, it, you know, we were having Miz and Stardust flashbacks, weren't we?
0: Yeah, and I don't know what it was. I don't know whether it's whether it was a Cody problem, whether it was a Miz isn't really able to keep up with Cody or Cody I I don't know what the miscommunication was but there's something and it just because since Cody's come back his matches in the ring have been pretty good he's meshed with everybody he's worked with uh, but it just didn't work with Miz here at all
1: yeah I think the problem is he's already had the match with Miz and that first match he had I thought was really good um, Cody won convincingly. I don't think anyone believed that Miz could defeat Cody Rhodes here. And of course, you know, Miz is a mid-level heel. Cody Rhodes is supposed to be a headline babyface for the future. Um, so I think that part of the arrangement could have explained why there wasn't that much interest in the match. I mean, you know, Miz is usually usually really good. I think he has quite a simple style, but he has a style that usually works he very rarely screws things up miz he's very dependable in the ring and i can't really understand why this match didn't wasn't smoother and slicker and more exciting than it was it just kind of felt like two guys who'd already had the feud and had been booked together because you know the creative team couldn't think of anything better to do with them on the night which is probably what what that's probably the explanation for why this match happened. (laughs) You know, and then Seth Rollins came out and it was like this non-finish. It all just felt rather dull. And also, I think another problem is Seth and Cody, we've seen it on two pay-per-views. I know we're getting it Hell in a Cell a week on Sunday in the Hell in a Cell match. But, I mean, is there really an appetite for a third match between these two? Especially since Cody won matches one and two. I mean, I mean, why it, it, is this third match even taking place?
0: It really feels like in a lot of ways, uh, a lot of the WWE stuff right now is kind of they're holding off on doing the good stuff. Yes. For a lot of things. Which is fine, but I do think it's difficult because you know, WrestleMania was so good. You know, It was such a big thing. And it feels like we've been in a bit of a hangover for like a month or two. Um, and yeah. You know, especially with WrestleMania backlash, that doesn't really provide you with much excitement. Hell in a Cell... You know, I mean, we just watched the one with Triple H and Chris Jericho from 2002. And while that was, you know, I mean, we weren't exactly in love with it, but they did work hard. But at least it was a feud that, w- that was in there. But why does Cody and Seth need to be in there? It doesn't It doesn't feel like it's anywhere near the level of, you know, furore that would would, would make it be in that. So I think, we, I think we're all just kind of waiting to get to money in the bank because that feels like where things are going to start to happen. But I'm with you, I think, that... Cody's, unfortunately, at the moment in a kind of holding pattern because yes. we just don't know what he's going to do next. And I think we're all ready for him to do the next thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not quite sure who... I mean, if if Riddle and Orton are going to wrestle Roman Reigns in Money in the Bank and then SummerSlam, and it feels like that's what's going to happen... Um, and then presumably Drew is going to wrestle, Drew McIntyre is going to, not Drew Gulak, Drew McIntyre is going to wrestle Roman Reigns at Clash of the Castle then that means it's not going to be Cody versus Reigns until October is it? Um, so what's well, I mean also
0: I feel, like, I feel like Cody's going to win Money in the Bank Yes, in probably. July so then probably. I guess you've got a couple of months we could, but, but then are they going to, if they hold off on doing Cody and Roman until October, November, or even later, um, you know, they need to have a couple of opponents for Cody that are going to be, you know, g- I mean, you know, going to be good. So they've, there's not really a lot of people who are obvious picks. No. So I'm curious what they're going to do.
1: I mean, I think Kevin Owens can do something with him that I think will
0: be very beneficial for both Owens and Cody. Yeah, he would be a good one for a, a month or two. So, yeah.
1: And, you know, Kevin Owens challenged Ezekiel, Ezekiel to a match at Hell in a Cell So that looks like it's happening This Ezekiel character has just been a, a colossal flop Just a total dud I don't even want to see it on my TV anymore I mean, I just I don't see any value in this character anymore I think it's already outlived its, Whatever usefulness it had, which was almost nil Has now been completely used up so it's Kevin Owens, Chad Gable, and Otis that are making this feud entertaining. And Ezekiel, it might as well be a, it might as well be a mannequin out there. You know, it might as well be the, you know, the the doll that Kenny Omega used to wrestle. You know, it might. as
0: well
1: be <laughs> I mean, in DDT, uh, was it Yushiko? Yish- Yushiko, I think he was.
0: Yeah, I, but, I, I don't know, I, I don't know the name of it. But yeah, I mean, that doll probably would would be more over. <laughs> when, when your, just, uh,
1: at least. It certainly was in DDT back in the day. Yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, I would think Cody and Kevin Owens. I think I think that actually will be good for both of them. So, and I imagine that Kevin Owens will probably be in the money in the bank match as well, and maybe Cody will just beat Kevin Owens to the briefcase, and that'll trigger a a program between those two. So that's that. If I was running WWE that's what I would do next.
0: Uh, Well, let's just, before we go, talk about the main event, which was uh, Becky Lynch and Asuka with the stipulation of if uh, Becky was able to get the win, she would be added to the match at Hell in a Cell between Bianca and Asuka. And of course, Becky Lynch was able to get the win with a roll-up after uh, Bianca ended up getting involved because Asuka, it's actually a pretty good spot where Asuka... Uh, went to kick Becky but Becky ducked and it took out Bianca so it gives you some drama there Um, but in the end Becky got the win so it's going to be a three-way it felt like it was a given that it was going to end up being a three-way
1: Inevitable We talked about this last week we predicted this Um, It's the right it's the right call because it means as I I said last week you know I'm trying not to Try not to repeat myself here. Certainly when we we're talking about Satcher and Naomi, I was very mindful that we'd already discussed this a lot. And I was trying to, you know, put a bring a new flavor to it, you know, and say something new. And same with Asuka and Becky Lynch and Bianca. We talked about this last week. And I think I said a three way works really well because it means you can come up with a finish that protects whoever has
0: to do the job. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think that's that's going to be what they do. Um I mean, yeah, it's, it's it'll be curious to see for Money in the Bank and SummerSlam what the big matches are going to be, because obviously we can't really do Becky and Bianca forever. So um it'll be curious to see. Maybe Lacey Evans will get back in the in the top spots Finn. Well, she, she returns was... to action on Raw next week. She does. So we'll see if she's suddenly learned how to be a charismatic wrestler. I'm not holding <laughs> her high hopes. Well,
1: uh, I mean. <laughs> Last time we saw her, she was still a baby face, and you know you were saying the other week that oh they're going to turn a heel. Well, she oh, no, says, no, no, I, she I, still I, was like a a I was just reading a report.
0: I was just reading a report. Don't put that. Don't put the heat on me for that one. I'm, <laughs> I'm just reading out stuff that's <laughs> there. Um, she
1: still seems like a baby face to me.
0: She does so. Big Lacey next week. We'll see We'll see what happens. Um, but listen, that's all the time we've got for today. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday, of course, for Power Slam. We'll talk over the top, our predictions for the top match that Double or nothing on Sunday. Um, I'm sure there'll be more news um, about stuff that's going on in wrestling. There always as Finn. We're never shy of a bit of news.
1: Exactly, exactly. Maybe we can talk a little bit about this Stephanie McMahon story.
0: Yes, we will be, 100%. Um, And we should mention, uh, you know, we always bang on a bit, you know, buy Inside the Ropes magazine, check it out, subscribe it. Well, subscribers received their copy yesterday, which is three days before it goes on sale in the shops. So uh, good to just be a subscriber because you get it a few days early sometimes and it can always be good to have that perk.
1: Absolutely. I mean, tremendous cover photo of Triple H on the front cover this month. And um, reminds me of some of those PowerSlam covers. He was, of course, on more covers than anyone, Triple H PowerSlam
0: yeah. that is. It was, it was very what I can tell <laughs> it was very difficult. Once we settled on the idea that there should be a Triple H sort of classic pose cover, um, it was nigh on impossible to get a good one of them in that pose right in that position and we did find one from 2012 and we thought do you know what he was looking a bit chunky in 2012 we thought we'll be kind to him because you know this it's, it's his big uh, retirement we thought we could kick the boot in finn but we're not going to do it we're going to be nice so we found found this one which complements him a lot more
1: yeah well he works really well as a cover photo it's really sharp and um you know the text is nice and Bold and punchy on the cover, which I always like. It was always one of my pet hates when you couldn't read the text on the cover.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I still remember, Kenny, still remember getting issue one of Power Slam back from the printers. And looking at it, I'm just being furious. You can't read the text on the cover. <laughs> so miffed. And there's only one person to blame for that. F. Martin. <laughs>
0: well, we, we live in land. We live in land.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: If, but yeah, I mean, do check it out. Um, the yeah, issue twenty one is, is a belter, lots of fun stuff, in their fans contributed a, a ton to that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a really good issue. So I hope you guys will check it out. Um, but yeah, we're we're gonna go. We should. We might be able to divulge our next interview on Thursday potentially as well. So yes, we'll ho- hopefully. Yes, hopefully. To- yeah, hopefully. Various things
1: are scheduled to happen between the time of this recording and the time of our next recording. And if those things happen and uh, you can't count your chickens, you never can, Nope. we will be able to uh, divulge names,
0: Kenny, won't we, we'll be able to tell who we've spoken to. And this would be, as far as I'm aware, this would be a first-timer. Is that right? Yeah, for me, yeah, for Mm -hmm. for the interview that I'm supposed to be doing. But uh, I'll
1: say no more, because we've been in this position before. uh, (laughs) LAUGHTER these are uh, uh, set and all, all uh, uh, definitely going to happen, and then don't. So uh, yeah, you don't talk about it until after it's happened.
0: So and if we just don't mention it on Thursday, then you know, <laughs> you know <it's laughs> then we know it's a
1: disaster. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but anyway, hopefully it's not the case. I want to thank you for all your support, everybody. And we'll talk to you soon.